It was the middle of 2020. It appeared that I was thriving. I had the press features, the business accolades, and the lifestyle that everyone claimed would give me peace and joy. So why did part of me want to burn it all down and run away to a tiny house in the middle of the woods? I was trying every therapy modality and spiritual practice I could find to feel more rooted and at ease, and I realized something. My deconstruction was only the beginning. Facing what was left after all the structures I'd built and hid behind to protect myself were stripped away, that was where the work really began. Let's talk about what happens after your awakening, after you decide to live differently, after you decide to walk away, to change it all, and to be the one that breaks the generational cycle. I'm your host, Becca Robinson. Let's gather around the digital fireside of shared experiences as we navigate a renaissance of the heart. Through the transformative act of vulnerability, the alchemy of growth, and the resilience to rise from our own ashes, our next beautiful chapters begin. I'm so glad you're here. with your partner we get to this point of awakening or a shift or this huge like evolution start of a healing journey and we go through the therapy and we read the books and we listen to the podcasts and we start to make changes and time goes on and it's just like we're leveling up the healing is happening and uh, you can't just like stay in that beginner spot for so long it's like okay like but how do I actually implement changes that positively affect my life how do I embody what I'm learning how do I uh what is it when you're done with like a mushroom trip what is that called the time at the end integration how do I integrate see you don't even need me how do I like integrate what I'm learning so that it's part of like how I'm living now as this kind of next chapter version of me how these seasons of healing and growth affect our relationships like there's a billion ways mm-hmm. and we can look at it through a lot of lenses well, let me have a little sip if you hear glass tinkling it's because we're sharing a cocktail <laughs> and if you hear Aaron randomly giggling it's because 10 minutes before we recorded I hit my head so hard on my computer screen that I now have a giant goose egg. She just she it's just huge. was trying to it's live so her life big. and all she did was just clonk. It was like a tiny little clonk, but the way that it hit you It must have just been you, I haven't had You're a magical these. unicorn now. <laughs> <laughs> I took a picture. I'll probably post it when this episode goes live for anybody listening and you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> imagine us trying to have a serious conversation about psychology. Honestly, it's like for this. the best. It's for the best. You've gotta you gotta stay humble. Yeah. That's what you gotta do. <laughs> In my journey i I felt like I was really lucky because my partner and I got married before either of us really went through like deconstructions, healing, 
going like going to therapy, any of these things. Mm-hmm. And we kind of lucked out in the fact that our growth trajectories were not so different from each other that we couldn't like still make it work as mm-hmm. like the new versions of us, right? Because like yeah. who you are when you get married is totally different person than who you are like five years from that, ten years from that, twenty from that, and marriages, relationships of any kind that are successful over time, it's because, like, you find ways to continue to have relationships with, like, these newer versions of Absolutely, 100%. And so I think this can be something that's a struggle if, you know, the, the friend, the family member, the partner that you have is not willing or wanting to be a part of life. Like, we're gonna, I guess in this conversation, we're gonna kind of just assume that it's something that people are wanting to work through together because if the other person doesn't want to then all of this is like yeah it's 100 (laughs) percent. and and it's it can be that like there's a very big difference between not being aligned with you as far as like maybe they're not they're they don't understand or there's not you know they're not at the same level that you're at Mm -hmm. for certain things uh there's a very big difference between that and then being just completely like uninterested right. in connecting or being because you don't you. actually have to be aligned and on the same page. Mm-hmm. It's more just like curiosity and willingness and yeah. respect. Yeah, Nate and I aren't on the same page about a lot of things. Like we have very different uh, spiritual beliefs and like parenting beliefs and like life like life beliefs <laughs> in general. Like Nate doesn't pay attention to astrology or do tarot or any of that kind of stuff like he respects that I find a connection in it and so that's that's something that he has curiosity about and like is willing to talk about but I think that this is kind of an old programming thing if people didn't grow up religious maybe it doesn't affect you but at least for me and then for anybody listening that's kind of coming from a similar deconstruction from a high control religion from evangelical Christianity like I was told growing up Um, the Bible verse jargon is don't be unequally yoked, which was like, don't marry someone who doesn't have the exact same faith and belief structure as you. And in the church and the youth group that I went to all growing up, it was like, you don't date someone who doesn't go to church who's not a Christian. And not only that, but like a Christian that has the exact same belief as you. Yeah. Because if you are, then you're unequally yoked, which meant, like, the burden was going to fall too far on one side than the other. Basically, that other person was going to, like, pull you down and be a bad influence. And so I think for a lot of us that grew up like that, realizing, like, oh, we don't actually have to be 100% on the same page. Like, we just have to be curious and open-minded and respectful of each other. Like, that tolerance is something that you really do have to learn if you grew up being told that that wasn't necessary that that was actually something that would be hurtful to your relationship yeah which like now looking back all of the things I'm like what the fuck like how did this like slip under everyone's radar like no tolerance is not is actually dangerous no like tolerance is super healthy it's literally like (laughs) it's not just it's just healthy it's literally written in everything that that they were preaching but it's yeah didn't survive till now (laughs) it didn't it didn't come shining to light that's for sure yeah okay so let's talk about um let's talk about like jealousy and living through those kind of emotions with your partner absolutely and I gotta um I always find very interesting so from from a behavioral perspective tell us the um, behavioral I know I am so there's something that we um 
well, there's something called operational definitions, mm-hmm. um, or just being able to to define specific things. Yeah, so that's important because we have to like what know is, what we're talking like about. what are you talking about with jealousy? We're talking about because um, context is important. Uh, you know, being able to to because there's some variations of it because there could be uh, jealousy. Uh, some people might miss like also feel resentment mm-hmm. um can feel um envy of certain things like uh so that there's a lot of things that that this may and as we're kind of talking about emotions we're gonna be like flowing in and out of a lot of these yeah but no matter what the emotion we're really diving into the communication aspect right and mm-hmm. what we're talking about today and how we communicate and move through any emotion yeah yeah. And jealousy especially, so like from an RRT perspective, everything kind of comes back to our nervous system, right? Because like that's what is causing all of the impulses to do something, to take an action. It's like to protect us in some way. And so jealousy would fall, like you were saying, kind of into one of two camps, a fear camp or an anger camp. Yeah. So like envy would be kind of like the fear camp or like afraid of like losing that person or afraid of someone taking that person and then like resentment or even like um like a defensiveness or like an aggression would be like more the anger camp and so like all of the motivations for the behaviors would be either that fight or flight yeah depending on like if it funneled more into an anxiety side or more into a anger side and from an RRT perspective all of the different emotions um would be kind of filtering into like one of those two sides so you're going to give a behaviorism kind of look on it. I'll give an RRT one. And then, of course, like, we'll just talk about our own experiences. Because at the end of the day, absolutely, that's the thing that resonates the most. Absolutely. Um, talking about um, my relationship, I really quick. But uh, so I have been with my partner, my husband, for, since I was, I, I've known him since I was 17. And we started dating shortly thereafter, and that was that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were just babies mm-hmm. um, when we got together, and, and we're so still babies, we're still babies. <laughs> um, and uh, so we now have. Oh my gosh, I'm not the good one for saying years that we've been together. I think we're like twelve. Don't look at me. I'm horrible. Something like that. Twelve, thirteen, something like that. I don't know. But we also now have twenty-four-year-old uh, girls, and um, so we are parenting them together. And uh, but we, I've talked about shoes, different, um, different versions of people. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of versions, and it's so wicked cool. Can you, like, I don't know if you've ever done this, because this feels maybe more like an Enneagram 4 thing to do. Have you ever, like, looked back and been like, I feel like I was four different errands, like, in the lifespan of knowing this person? because of different conversations I've had with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I mostly, like, have looked back and, like laughed so hard at myself in yeah. my like especially my early 20s about 
just where my head was at, my perspective on things. Like, I think a lot of people do that, where oh, you yeah. look back at yourself and you think, oh my goodness, the filter of which you saw the world mm-hmm. is just wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the filter which I saw was always different than the filter like that he saw. We've, like, I honestly, so my husband's name is Danny, and where we are right now uh, in this phase of our lives is actually just the the strongest, the best that we've ever been, but Mm -hmm. we've been through it for sure. A lot of the stuff with, with us is, is learning. So I, my, my thing that I do when I get frustrated or overwhelmed is I'm a self-isolating shutdowner, which Mm -hmm. is not healthy at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I, also tricky for the communication. Oh my gosh, it's so true. Which is so funny because my job is literally like I'm, I'm a therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, come on now. Yeah. But um. But it's always easier to like solve other people's problems. Hundred percent than your own. Yeah, I, I'll tell every one of my clients that I work with. Every single one of them, I'm like, J- I need you to understand. I'm very forthcoming with my own uh, ups and downs. Um, and, and I need them to know, like, I'm humbling myself when I give, uh, information. Um, uh, Well, I mean, you can know the right strategies and still have your own reasons why it's hard for you to implement them. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I think, the key thing, is it's hard to do it, it doesn't mean that I won't, and I don't. Right. Um, I, I will absolutely practice what I preach, but I won't pretend it's easy to do. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, a lot of the stuff with, with me with, with jealousy. Does tends... your jealousy stuff set, fall more towards fear or anger? Anger. Mm. But I think I live more comfortably in anger than I do in sadness or fear or grief. Yeah. Um, um, no, anger, anger is easier for me than hurt or sadness um, or anything like that. But I didn't know these things. Mm-hmm. You know, this is... Being self-aware like this has taken so much time of being able to talk out with others and and try to talk and fail and try to talk and fail and try to talk and fail and then finally get a piece of it right, right? Mm -hmm. Talking about the whole, um, like, having both sides, like, having the person willing to have these conversations with you Mm -hmm. or whatever... Danny's absolutely always been willing to have those conversations, even if they're hard. And um, I'm definitely the shutter downer. And it, it being able to know going into it that this is like you know every conversation that you have, everything that you do isn't like the end goal needs to be clear on both ends, right? Mm-hmm that the end goal is to be able to just understand each other a little bit. Yeah, better. like witness each other, see each other's yeah. sides, and like, that's kind of it. Yeah, and even even if you can just take a step towards that, mm-hmm. it's worth it, mm-hmm. right? So that's a big thing, because I'm a fixer. Yeah. That's what I do, and I think that's probably why oh look at me that's probably why anger is easier because you can fix anger a whole lot easier than you can fix sadness or grief and so knowing going into conversations or um I I would always just be quiet 
during these conversations because I felt like anything I said out loud, like I couldn't, I was held to it forever. And I was like, what if the words aren't right? You know, Mm -hmm. what if the words aren't right? It just doesn't, uh, express like how I'm feeling on the inside. Cause I don't know. So the way I think is very interesting Mm -hmm. to me. It might not be that unique, but I don't think in words or sentences or I know there's no scripts in my head. There's no nothing. I think in like almost like vibes. Mm-hmm. So like ideas. Okay. Or concepts. I know that sounds so weird, but it's why it's so hard for me half the time to get out words. Yeah. Because it's like a constant translation. Sure. And so I'm like, no, those words aren't right. And so we actually like had to start having these. It was, it was really actually quite cool. So we'll almost set expectations, even when we're mad, set expectations for conversations before we have them. And so, for example, like, Danny will have to look at, like, well, I have to, but he'll look at me and say, like, pretty much like a, <laughs> like a clause or yeah. whatever. Like, you're, anything you do or say will not be held against you. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you are able at any point to say, you know, that didn't sound right. I'd like to say it again. Yeah. And we're both making that conscious decision that, like, mm-hmm. it's okay to, like, say, no, that didn't come out across the way I'd like to. Let me try it again. Mm-hmm. So that way you're not both going at it trying to – because the thing is, is neither of us are trying to win the conversation, yeah, well, that's a big thing. Or prove that an emotion is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Because these ugly emotions, these, you know, resentful emotions, these uh, jealous emotions, you can know or feel that they're right or not right or, like, helpful oh, yeah, or not Oh, yeah, because my, my gut reaction is to prove that I'm right and the other person's wrong. Like, my gut reaction is, like, to fully invalidate. <laughs> that surprises point. me about you. That's interesting because that's not what you engage in. Mm-hmm. So, like, you that's have all, the gut like reaction, I, but you have to, like, decide not mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. Yeah, because I want to, like, I want to, I think that, I think it stems from, not that anybody cares about the my own psychoanalysis, but I think it's, like, from... Uh, being such an intense feeling feeler my whole life I felt like I've always had to like defend like that I had a right to be feeling that way I had to like prove like no you did this thing and that's why so like I think I get I think I get a bit that's like where I get I can get aggressive yeah that makes total sense one of the things that really helped me was in studying RRT one of the things we talk about as far as, like, things that cause stucknesses for people, like, uh, is this idea of feelings as who we are, not just, like, an energy that's passing through us, but as a state of being, saying, like, I'm anxious, or I'm angry, or I'm jealous, instead of, like, I'm experiencing a feeling of jealousy, or I'm experiencing depression or I'm experiencing anxiety and just like those small language shifts help ourselves differentiate like no I'm not actually that like I'm not the feeling 
in our relationships. It's like just remembering these feel that feelings are really just energy that can like can crash over us like waves, and yeah. we don't necessarily have to be stuck in them. Yeah, you can't be like feelings aren't a state of being. Feelings be are chemicals and their body reactions. Um, to different stimuli. Yeah, <laughs> it just it, it's the. You're not looking at a wall, like a, a, a switch panel, like on a wall and just say, oh, jealous today. Like you don't get to decide all of those things. Right. But you do get to decide how you're going to navigate and live through those emotions. And I'm not saying like get over those emotions or um, stop those emotions or whatever. I'm talking about literally living through them because for some reason your body has decided to feel that. Yeah, and that's real. It's real. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if, you know, the It doesn't matter if motion. someone else thinks the stimulus is, like, valid. Yeah. Like, it's real, too. It, or if somebody, like, inten- like if, if, you know, what you're... Because then don't, we're not going to get into, like, intrusive thoughts and all that stuff. We're talking just straight up the emotions mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. And if you're feeling jealous, if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling however you feel, that should be able to, you should be able to feel validated. You should. Like, there's no, there's no morality associated with feelings. And then be able to be, like, like coming to your partner with that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, but we have all of these preconceived ideas that, like, jealousy is a weakness. Or the jealousy implies that someone's done something wrong. wrong. Yeah, exactly. so it can make people defensive right from the beginning. Exactly. Which is, that's more the story of, like, my relationship. Because jeal- my husband doesn't experience jealousy very often as far as fear. He experiences it more as, like... Maybe more jealous of, like, time or energy, whereas I experience it as, like, an aban- like an, a step away from abandonment. You yeah. know, like, they're, like, very different experiences yeah. of that emotion. Jealousy has been one of the biggest things that I've had to heal from. And I, like, obviously, I don't think any feeling ever completely goes away, but, like, the reactivity of it is different and like you learn strategies and how to manage it and communicate around it and all that kind of stuff but like growing up I remember my my first serious boyfriend like I would be so jealous of like all the little things like as a teenager you get jealous of you know like oh like you talked to that person or you passed Mm -hmm. them a note or whatever and then like there were things that I had legit reasons to be jealous of like oh you kissed your ex or oh you like were like flirting with that you know like you Mm -hmm. went out with that person like when I wasn't around like there are like legit things too and so that was something that was like already already a hard one for me already like one that was a big one so like in this relationship my husband now he experiences it as like you're telling me I already did something wrong. So if I come to him and historically, if I came to him and said I'm jealous, he would immediately be put on the defensive. Like, well, I didn't do anything that should yeah. make you feel jealous. Yeah. And then I think that's part of why I was like, well, I have to now prove. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's not that's not a conversation that's going to be beneficial in any way because if someone is, like is saying 
I'm feeling jealous about this. They're saying, like, I'm feeling scared. I need reassurance. Yeah. Or just, like, be with me through these feelings. Mm -hmm. Just be present with me through these feelings. Like, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't stay forever. No emotion is forever. And Mm -hmm. I think that's such an important thing to note is that it's physically impossible for your body to release those chemicals forever. Like, it can't. Just being able to live through that with somebody is the most valuable thing you can do for them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you want to be able to have functional communication where you can um, like work through to not have to live in those feelings forever, right? right. Or like yeah. on and on and like over or like over. all on your own. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes behaviors do need to change mm-hmm. to if you know if it's really causing a toll on somebody um, certain behaviors can can be changed to be able to um, work through helping the other person but it's always more important it's always more important to to validate and support the other person's emotions than it is for you to be right we're kind of trained with this knee-jerk I think societally this knee-jerk reaction of like if someone I care about is experiencing any negative emotion then I need to change my behavior to like make that go away yeah that there's almost this expectation of you're my partner you're my friend you're my sister whatever so like you have to do the thing to make me feel absolutely and you know what I it's so wild to me it's Okay, follow my train of thought here because <laughs> I am completely raw dog in life without my ADHD meds at this point in the yeah. night. So, in our culture, mm-hmm. things like like death is mm-hmm. horrible. Mm-hmm. It's to be feared. It's to be. It's taboo. It's mm-hmm. whatever. Or it's something to run away from, avoid as long as you can. Yeah. So on and so forth. In other cultures, it's not the same, mm-hmm. and it's not seen as the same in some other cultures. And I think that's the same with all of these different emotions. Things are only seen as bad because you've been taught that they are bad mm-hmm. for some reason. That was something that, like, when Nate and I started, like, shifting our relationship dynamic to non-monogamy and we were entering into, like, circles of people who were already in that world or who were even like more further along like people who were poly or like relationship anarchists all this stuff like realizing through just listening to them like the space that they were able to hold for emotion oh goodness yes was like mind-blowing to me as like a feeling feeler I was like oh my god <laughs> like who are all these magical people that can just like calmly sit and like be like tell me why you're feeling that way and like of course like validate it and like hold space and then like not cast blame and not cast shame and be like what can I do to support you in this and like my mind was like fucking blown and that was like one of the I think really like navigating a lot of that and the level up of communication that had to happen Mm -hmm. to be able to do that like had such a like a domino effect into all these other areas like yeah you know because like you get good at communication for one reason you're still good at com- communication for everything exactly 100 percent. and it helped so much with this and 
the more I learn about like polyvagal theory and nervous system, the more I realize like the old, really the only way out is through. And I have this metaphor yeah. that I use all the time. It's like from labor. So I've labored one time. I have one, one biological child and I had him naturally at home. And so like that experience became such a big metaphor for so many things in my life because it was like once that starts, like the only way out is through. And to me, I like we had so many as a jealous person, you would be like, well, then why would you like proactively step into a container that would be like rife for that emotion right like and even my partner and I have had that conversation a lot where he was like why are we like why are you even still wanting to do this and I felt like a crazy person a a lot of the time but there was like such a big part of me that was like I know that like the only way I can get to the other side of this is to walk fully through it yeah and show my nervous system and my body that it's not going to kill us. Exposure (laughs) therapy. Like, really, it's like, okay, this is not, it feels like we're dying. Because, like, But look at that, we're still alive. My nervous system is like, threat, threat, threat. 100%. Run away, you are going to die. And so that's what you want, you feel like you want to do. And it's like, if you just realize, like, oh, no, you're not actually going to die, it doesn't necessarily make jealousy never happen anymore, but it no. takes it from this, like, crippling, all-encompassing thing to just, like, getting hit by a wave in the ocean. I'm tech saved from my dad. So my dad also, um, he lived with severe anxiety, just like I do. Mm-hmm. And um, I have some text saved from him where he was like, you got through it before. Mm-hmm. You're going to get through it this time. You're going to get through it again in the future. And you've already done this, I think is what he said. You've already done this. You've already done this. And I'm just like, fuck. It's true. It doesn't make it less aversive necessarily. But it's, yeah. And I think so, I mean, for thinking of like a theme of what this conversation has really brought to light, it's that emotions deserve to be validated. Yeah. And. That they're not good or bad. They're not good or bad. And that they need to be lived through with the support of your partner like if you're you know when mm-hmm. with others like um they don't have to fully understand no it's not about like not it's not always about them right like i said yeah. there's always some there's there can definitely be some behaviors that need to be changed if something's been somebody's been wronged or there's sure. something like you were saying earlier boundaries being crossed, being yeah. crossed I feel like emotions are a bit like shadows. Like, sometimes if just by, like, turning a light on to witness them, they kind of dissipate. Yeah. You know? you, like, that, the first thing that most people, most people who are listening to this are probably, they've already been therapized. Right. They, you know therapy. Mm-hmm. And that's always one of the very first things anytime I've ever started with a therapist is being able to be witness to your emotions or be witness to an emotion um yeah and just that separation like i am not this emotion that was something there was a poem i wrote uh about about i think it was about anxiety and it was something about like i am not i am not the anxiety like i'm the person who hears it Like, I'm hearing the alarm bells, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like, I'm not actually it. And, like, just that small amount of separation was really helpful in my mind for me. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. <laughs> I, I love that. It is so true. Um, I always visualize the chemicals as this, like, faucet almost and like Mm. or a valve that opens and closes and releases certain things and there's like a trigger for that the different valves that say you know the different reactions in my body Mm -hmm. and sometimes the valves get opened and they can't shut easily and Mm. that's okay yeah and sometimes you just don't want to be alone during that onslaught of sensation. If that ain't the damn truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think maybe, like, the last point in that little series is it's not, there's not a morality attached to it. It's just what it is. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong for feeling it. I'm not at fault for you feeling it necessarily, you know? Yeah, we're talking, like, great. Um, and just being able to just being able to create a safe space for that alone, I think, is a game changer. Yeah, and then you can get to the change. Mm-hmm. That you can get to the talking yeah, to the logistics after you. Yeah, because if you are defensive and you aren't explaining yourself or trying to win or reacting or you attacking can, You or cannot fleeing, problem solve during crisis mode. No. Phys- no, you really possible. can't. Like, no, you physically... You, you cannot. You chemically cannot. Yeah, absolutely. Is there 100%. a behaviorism explanation for it because there's totally an RRT one. No, yeah, 100%. Like that you you've got to deescalate before you can do anything. If you're at an escalated you know level for anything, mm-hmm. there's nothing getting past that. Right. There's you've you've got to be able to get back to baseline before you can engage or use any of your tools that you have in order to move forward and to use your problem-solving skills in general is so imperative in order to be able to actually speak and communicate and move forward like to the true what now that you've engaged in that emotion that emotions there it's nobody's fault Mm -hmm. okay I'm at peace where I am I'm in a safe space with this emotion now let's talk well and that's a big one because I think that a lot of the times we will hold on to an emotion thinking that it has a usefulness Mm -hmm. that it actually doesn't have so like I want to hold on to this fear because if I let go of this fear then what if I'm not on high alert and I miss something Mm-hmm. Or, like, I don't want to let what go. what if they think it's okay? Mm-hmm. I don't want to let go of this anger because if I let go of this anger and I don't punish them, then they're not going to learn. Yeah. Oh. You know? Oh, girl. And so it's, I think, like, what, yeah, that's, like, the holding space and everything is one. And then, like, after that, it's, like, you have to be willing to let go of of the feeling and truly understand and embody that it's more useful to not be in that heightened state because we can hold on to it. Even all of them, grief. I want to hold on to my grief because if I let go of my grief, then it means that that love wasn't as big. Like that can be a big one in relationship hurt. Like, oh, that means that the hurt wasn't a big deal if I don't grieve. So like we hold on to these things, but in RRT perspective, we learn about like, this kind of this way of de-escalating ourselves which was so helpful to me so I'll share like a a too long didn't read version here and maybe it'll be helpful to someone else but it's basically like super simple 
our nervous system wired to protect us, not necessarily to make us feel good, right? So it's mm-hmm. like primary objective, survive, keep the babies alive. Like, that's yeah. it. Being happy, feeling fulfilled, <laughs> feeling calm. Byproducts. <laughs> like, not, not, if that happens, cool, but that is not the objective. And so we when we are experiencing something it falls into those two basically it falls into those two umbrella camps like fight or flight anger or fear right and so that tells our body what to do so primitive aspects of mind get turned on they're like ooh, there's a predator and what do we need to do is this a fight situation a flight situation if it's a fight situation we need to reroute blood flow right so like eyes get really focused jaw gets really really strong like blood flow moves from our body like up to our head to our face like Mm -hmm. we need laser focus we need strong jaw so that we can go and bite and like fight off right if you think about like stories of people who were like held at gunpoint or like knife point like if you ask them to describe the outfit Mm -hmm. of the people like walking by they're gonna be like what people but I can tell you exactly what the knife looked like right because it's like or the superhuman strength that people have in those moments yeah but ask them like the hat they're not gonna be able to tell you like those details didn't matter to mind at that moment yeah for uh flight it's all the blood goes to the legs like super super fast burst of energy like you could win a sprint race but you're not going to win a marathon and when that happens our resources are moved actually moved so like energy blood flow resources are reallocated in the body to be able to do these things that is like massive protective measures so can we think are most creatively in those moments absolutely not are we taking in the most amount of information about our environments with like objective reasoning absolutely not do we have the best amount of logic absolutely not and so if we're thinking about our relationships and like what are the facilities I want to have because this relationship is so important to me to be able to prioritize problem solving respect understanding like do I want to be able to access all my creativity all my logic all my insight all of my awareness of my environment Or do I want to have a limited capacity for that? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, if I'm looking at that like a scientist, I want to have all those facilities because this relationship is important to me, right? So I have to de-escalate that feeling because if I don't biologically, I don't have full access to that. And it's that like objective switch of being able to realize like, no, this other thing is more important than holding on to this anger because if I hold on to this anger, it's actually making me less creative it's actually making me worse at looking at this objectively it's actually making me worse at problem solving I'm not going to be able to do what I actually in my heart want to do which is solve this fucking problem yeah you know and so it's like being able to look at it and go okay like I can let go of the jealousy I can let go of the fear I don't need to be vigilant right now and it's actually making me you it doesn't make you it's making me stupider yeah Yeah. like it's making me less able to look out for bad things yeah because it's making my body strong in the wrong ways yeah and so I think that was something that really like made a huge thing to me because I tend to want to hold on to the things as like a defense mechanism of like yeah but if if I'm not afraid then I'm not, I'm not going to be like protecting myself. And that's actually the opposite, opposite, which is crazy when you actually like break it down to think about. Right. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, 
that is our 101 class on feelings in your relationships. Honestly, just feelings. Yeah, all feelings. Brilliant. Hopefully something was helpful. I know all of those like little points were pretty much individual game changers for me, and they seem so simple, but they're those things that are like really simple to hear and really challenging to put into practice. <laughs> 100%, but we strive every day, and... Mm-hmm. We'll get there little by little. Yeah, that's worth it. there is constantly changing. (laughs) That's worth it. Because we want you feeling better. And we want you happy in your relationships. Whether they're with your partners, your family members, your friends. Yeah. We'll get there. We're proud of you. You did a good job. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely, you actually might like this too because it's got PG. Why did you learn it? It's just, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love these conversations so much. Thank you for joining me and us and for being a part of this community. What now? Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review so others can find these episodes with more ease. If something particularly resonated with you, I would love to hear what that is. Share your aha moment or your favorite quote, or even just where you are when you're listening on social media and tag me at Becca Robinson so I can see. Another way you can support the show is by subscribing on whatever platform you prefer and sending an episode to a friend who you think might be interested in the conversation. Check the show notes for any links mentioned in the episode. Okay, okay, I hate goodbyes, so I'm just going to leave you all with this. Until what now becomes, wow, may your healing journey get brighter and brighter with each step you take. Hope to see you back next time.